Dear listener, it's a great joy that you choose to join me. This is Adventist All Radio, the voice of hope. Please keep tuned to this station until the end. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. This is your favorite New Life program with interesting segments just for you. Patron will be having the family of segment by Pastor Kigundu Ndwiga. Today, he will talk about humor that hurts. Thereafter, he'll be having a Bible segment by Brother Steve Rondu. Today's topic is about support for religious workers. Before that, here's a song, Sitting Giziki by Christ Loyal Squire. Mama utanguka, 
that you've been blessed with that lovely song. Thank you for staying tuned. Let us now prepare to listen to Pastor Kigundu. Welcome, Pastor. you again to our marriage series the abundant life and today i want us to talk about jokes and humor that hurt marriage have you ever been with a couple when one of them says a cutting sarcastic remark about the other while that spouse is there and even you are embarrassed by it often these barbs are treated by the one giving them as if they are a joke and yet the one receiving them sure isn't laughing. Many couples confess that there have been times within their own marriage that they have done that themselves. They have fallen into the type of shooting each other with jokes and then claiming we are just kidding. And yet later as they talked things out, they better understood the damage it causes. Sometimes the person was actually just kidding however the spouse on the receiving end didn't view their humor in the same way humor is as it is perceived and received other times certain humor isn't appropriate because of a passive aggressive thing going on whatever the reason we have had to work through these issues through the years because a lot of damage can be done to the relationship when one aims their humor at the other and it isn't received as being a joking matter. Proverbs 26 verse 18 to 19 from the Message Bible says, People who shrug off deliberate deception saying, I didn't mean it, I was only joking, are worse than careless campers who walk away from smoldering campfires. Well, we have all experienced the truth of these words all too many times. Author Rodney A. Wilson talks about sarcastic humor that damages in a Home Life magazine article titled Cut the Sarcasm. In it he writes, My dictionary is ancient, but its definition of sarcasm is classic. 
Sarcasm comes from a word meaning to tear flesh like dogs. It means to be brutal, have no mercy, be vicious, go for the juggler, and tear flesh the way a dog would. Well, that doesn't sound to us like something we should be doing to each other as husbands and wives who love God and pledge to love and honor each other. To truly love our spouse is to protect them by showing honor and respect for their feelings, not revealing or doing anything that will embarrass or cut them down. By doing so, we reveal just how mean-spirited and unsafe we can be, which is not becoming of a child of God. In the magazine article which we have referred to previously, Mr. Wilson continues to write, While humor may appear to soften the blow, the unseen emotional damage of sarcasm can be devastating. I am convinced many marriages die of a thousand emotional cuts instead of one deadly blow. A steady diet of sarcasm poisons a marriage, so it needs to be eliminated. No good comes from using sarcasm. Trust, a vital ingredient in a healthy marriage, won't be present when a husband or wife is always braced for the next public or private cutting remark from a spouse. And respect won't be found in the midst of ridicule. A sarcastic environment robs a marriage of peace and joy, which are two parts of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in the Christian life, recorded in Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23. In essence, sarcasm severely limits the intimacy between a husband and a wife. There are plenty of healthy ways to fit humor into your marriage. Choose to break the sarcasm habit and die daily to yourselves. Well, that one you can see 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31. In another article titled, Sarcasm, the Verbal Enemy at the Gate, featured on the Lifeway website, Authors Dale and Jenna Forhard also speak about sarcasm and humor that hurts. They write, Sarcasm is one of the most harmful verbal tactics used against a spouse. It destroys communication and unity in marriage. One of the oldest military strategies is to divide and conquer. Our enemy Satan still uses that tactic to destroy families. Satan first seeks to separate you and your spouse emotionally. Then he moves in and seeks to separate you and your spouse physically. When this occurs, he is in a perfect position to conquer your marriage. In the midst of conflict, the enemy begins outside the gate of your marriage, cunningly tempting you and your spouse to wage war through verbal attacks. And sarcasm often is Satan's weapon of choice. The others then give an acrostic to help you to understand why sarcastic remarks are so damaging to marriages. Sarcasm stings, it aggravates, it irritates, it is controlling, it alienates, it shames, and it manipulates. Near the end of the article, the authors challenge us to lay it down. They write what will conclude this message with something we should never forget. They say, if we know the enemy uses sarcasm to tear down marriages, then what can we do about it? We need to lay down the weapons of our enemies and pick up the weapons God has given us through his word. Colossians 3 verse 12 to 17 provides the perfect answer.
it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Our prayer is that God will make your marriage a marriage that is full of love, abundant love. Hope that you've enjoyed that family segment. This is the New Life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your thoughts concerning this program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awrnairobi at ek.org. Let us now hear from Christ Loyal Square with the song, Maisha Ya Monadam. Oh, 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 
again for staying tuned to our station. It is time for the Bible segment. Brother Steve Rundu, welcome and bless us with the word. Support for religious workers. Our key text today is Leviticus chapter 7 verses 28 to 36. And I read, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, Anyone who brings a fellowship of offering to the Lord is to bring part of it as his sacrifice to the Lord. With his own hands he is to bring the offering made to the Lord by fire. He is to bring the fat together with the breast and wave the breast before the Lord as a wave offering. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast belongs to Aaron and his sons. You are to give the right tie of your fellowship offerings to the priest as a contribution. The son of Aaron, who offers the blood and the fat of the fellowship offering, shall have the right tie as his share. From the fellowship offerings of the Israelites, I have taken the breast that is waved and the tie that is presented and have given them to Aaron the priest and his sons as their regular share from the Israelites. This is the portion of the offerings made to the Lord by fire that were allotted to Aaron and his sons on the day that they were presented to serve the Lord as priests. On the day they were anointed, the Lord commanded that the Israelites give this to them as their regular share for the generations to come. Now God provided for the priests and their families. In Leviticus 3 verses 31 to 36, we get a, a description of how large cuts of meat from fellowship offerings were to be set aside as the priests' regular share. In Leviticus 3, 7 verses 34, in addition, the Lord arranged for the priests to receive a portion of the tithes and offerings and in Israel's economy. The material needs of priests were made under the sacrificial system because the law produced them from agricultural employment. This we can find from Numbers chapter 18 verses 20 to 24. 
In the same way states the Apostle Paul, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. That is First Corinthians chapter 9 verses 14. See also First Timothy chapter 5 verses 17 and 18. Christian financial stewardship leader Howard Dayton agrees saying, and I quote, Throughout its pages, the Bible focuses on supporting the Lord's ministry. End of quote. But Dayton also asks, How often are Christians workers distracted from the ministry by inadequate support? Well, you might want to answer that question alone. Authors and stewardship trainers Dave Sutherland and Kirk Nowery refer to the law of consistent collection the principle at the core of Paul's instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 3. Simply put, consistent giving facility facilitates consistent ministry. Without an assurance of regular income, pastors run the risk of preoccupation with the practical concerns of meeting their financial obligations. Some find it necessary to seek supplementary employment, forcing them to limit the time and energy they can devote to their first calling. Sutherland and Noweri states, and I quote, There isn't a legalistic demand that we give an amount of money every week to the Lord's work, but we give regularly and consistently. God's desire is that things be done decently and in good order, not in chaos or uncertainty. When there is a need, His plan is that His people give responsibly to meet it. The ongoing operation of a church ministry, for example, requires the ongoing support of faithful believers. Focusing on an individual giving strategy to ensure dependable support of clergy and the smooth operation of a church's programs, pastor and generosity consultant Brian Cluth shares a personal approach that he that has worked well for him. If you are wondering about how much to give to your church and how much to give to other places, a good practice I have used is to give 10% of my main source of income to my local church. My main income goes to support the work of my main source of Christian fellowship and teaching. Then I use 10% or more of all other income sources and, and expected blessings to help fund other Christian needs and opportunities that God brings into my life. End of quote. For most, a 10% giving strategy may seem wildly unattainable, while for others this percentage may be far too small. As Deuteronomy chapter 12 verses 5 and 7 describes, people have a variety of opportunities and options for giving. Each giver shall give as God directs him to. Now think about this, brethren. Is simply relying on people to support religious workers still a good idea for our times? Answer, answer that on your own and I, I wish that you explain your answers to yourself. How do you determine how much you give and how often you give it? Also, ask yourself this question, what is your goal for your own charitable giving? It is important to pray about this issue of supporting religious workers. My prayer today will be, let us pray. God, I want to use your resources to the best of my abilities. Show me if there are any areas in my lifestyle or budget where I need to rethink how I'm using what you've given me. Lord, I want to be a good manager of all your things so that I can better support your work through the workers that you have given unto us. I have prayed this, trusting and believing that you have heard me, and Lord, you will answer us, for it is in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that you have prayed. Amen. 
We are grateful for the time you've accorded us today. Let us meet right here at Adventist Soul Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your views, comments, or questions about the show by writing to the producer, Adventist Soul Radio, P.O. Box 42276, I've been a presenter, Samuel Mang. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed. Yeah.